theoretically possible. Why waste time? But it doesn't make any sense. Discovery Houston press to ATO. Three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a challenging discussion today, but that's what we try to bring to the table. We try to talk about difficult subjects, not only to share our thoughts, but to help us further understand what the hell we're talking about. Absolutely. We appreciate this, honestly, because this is going to be kind of a tough discussion, so stick with us in, yes. a, in a good way. I think that in the end, we'll, we'll all kind of get a lot of clarity Yeah, as to what we're talking about. So today we're talking about free market yeah right? we're, we're talking about how to manage bad actors in a free market yeah because let, let's just break it down when when i when i first got introduced and this might make me sound like a silly young lad but when <laughs> i first got introduced to free market i honestly thought it meant like zero rules zero regulations everything's completely just going to occur based on the magic hand yeah the invisible hand is what they called it yes and (laughs) or call it still yeah there's still a paper on it and it is um it it, it, i understand that like if you look at economics in general and you just break it down to the most simplistic format the price will be figured out based on the supply and the demand and if it's fully transparent what the what the supply is and it's fully transparent what the demand is then the price will be made. It's not something that needs to be set by anyone, but the two parties who are making the transaction occur. Right. And so you would think that, okay, who are the two parties? Well, you've got businesses and you've got customers, right? Right. And so that's where the market equilibrium is supposedly set in. In a, in a free market. When, and maybe it's not equilibrium, but that's where the supply and the demand kind of comes from, right? Yeah. Um, but we, it, it we is sh- an equilibrium. I think that's a good yeah. term for it. And sometimes if it's too high, then it's, then it's more profit. And if it's too low, then it's less profit. And it's always trying to find that balance. And there is an average in between that balance at Exa- all times. Exactly. So the concept is that, you know, you should just let the, the market decide what mm-hmm. happens because yeah. bad actors don't need to be regulated because the customers will you know, basically shun them out if they're really, really bad. That's right. kind of the concept. Now, this is the the theory of free market. It's very theoretical. We've never actually <laughs> seen a true free market, no. right? This is We've all... seen countries that have gotten pretty close yes. to, to getting there, closer than others. And then we've seen some that are very far from it. Right. But yeah, absolutely. There is no question. There has never been a true, in that idea of like, let the price, supply, demand, price all come together not no i don't even know if that's possible in the real world right exactly (laughs) so but i think that the underlying like themes within the free market is that you know let the people decide let the businesses decide and Mm -hmm. let's just the freedom of that is really what is underscored in the free market is like real true freedom and we do see a lot of areas that chose to go more free market who have been become more developed so you can say them Right. I mean, like one is South Korea. So you look yep. at the the entire, you know, just area of Korea and North, South Korea and North Korea, and you see the line and there's a clear distinction between how people over time, it's like a really amazing case study mm. where North Korea shut down and it's not free at all. Right. Yeah. It's basically an authoritarian dictatorship. It's as far away from free market. It's as, as far, possible. exactly far. There are rationings. Like we don't really know what's going on. It's locked. Mm-hmm. And uh, as 
opposed to South Korea, which kind of embraced more of capitalism and free market, mm-hmm. you see actually over time, over generations, that people are healthier. They're actually taller. People are making, you know, more annual income. They're living they're, longer. They're living longer. And I mean, same genetics. Yeah. That's why it's an interesting case study. It that one. really, really is. And so... So that's that's that, and I, I think for for us, we've always been very fascinated by free market because what another really important theme, and this comes from like Austrian economics also, is it's all about like entrepreneurship, really empowering mm-hmm. the entrepreneur to be creative because that's really how innovation, free markets, and capitalism thrive is when yeah. that's allowed. So mm-hmm. what that requires as well is that there can't be monopolies, right? Mm-hmm. You can't have huge monopolies that basically take over entire markets. You really mm-hmm. do want to make sure that industries are not completely saturated and controlled by one entity yeah and the the big one is you don't want it to be controlled by the government that's mm-hmm. one but then you don't want it to be controlled by one huge company either yeah and um you know in, in the united states of america capitalism is obviously a huge component of our economy and our society mm-hmm. but what's interesting is we do have these really big companies that it's really hard to compete with Right. We've got people, we've got companies like Facebook. We've got companies like Amazon. We saw in 2008, we had banks that were too big to fail. You know, we have Mm -hmm. these huge, huge, I don't know if they're monopolies because obviously we have a law against that, but there've been questions about that. And really what I'm more concerned with than anything else is just what it does in terms of affecting entrepreneurship, allowing Mm -hmm. others to come forth with a great idea and actually taking it all the way through as opposed to getting you know, sucked up by these other companies and getting purchased yeah. so that they control the market for the, for the remainder of however many years they can. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think what's interesting is your, your topic that you want to talk about is bad actors. Well, how would you actually control for bad actors? If there's no one regulating, mm-hmm. for example, like who's regulating the monopolies that happen, right? Right. That's one. And then who's regulating people who are doing corrupt things. Who's to say that companies aren't doing bad things or bad actors aren't going to do bad things. How would you actually control for that? Well, I think, I think we kind of uh, brought it up by simply saying Korea, like let's bring it to the real world, South Korea. And that example that you gave, we kind of brought up how free market is theory. It is just a theory. It's an idea and free market in South Korea is not a fully embraced, you know, it's not black or white here. Right. It is this, there's so many grays in between because it's so much more complex than just being black or white. South Korea is one country that is competing against hundreds of countries all around the world in different realms. There's different relationships. There's politics that have to play in this on a global level. And so it's just looking at where you stand on as far as how free is your country and then what are the benefits of being more free than less free and is there a curvilinear relationship and i definitely think that if you go as far free as possible in all honesty i think you do get to anarchy so there has to be some rules set in place some form of structure and that's where i come towards digital currencies and let's just go with like bitcoin so bitcoin is set up where No single person can shut it down. The only way that it could be shut down is if over 50% of the people who are mining Bitcoin all came together and wanted to take over the system. Mm -hmm. That's difficult. That's like really, really unlikely to happen. And many would argue that's impossible at this point in time, considering how many different miners there are all over the world. But there's still the ability to upgrade the software 
where there are programmers that are helping to contribute to make Bitcoin a better system. And how does that system come together and how does that work? Well, it's a long-term uh, system where the majority have to all vote in agreement of it. It's not like 51%. It's like 90%. Yeah, so that's where it's very different, I think, in terms of you know when we're talking about Bitcoin, blockchain, and uh, decentralized systems, mm -hmm. right? We're really trying to play with decentralized systems. If we're not wanting to go completely anarchist, we need to figure out a way to actually have a consensus, a governed consensus, mm -hmm. right? Where people come together and it is relatively democratic, but it's really coming together and trying to figure out what do we need to come, what do we need to f do in order to come to a consensus? Mm -hmm. And that consensus can be really hard to come to, right? Some yeah. people have it really- It can be very slow. It can be very slow. It could be, yeah, like uh, that's one of the reasons why a centralized entity or figure sometimes can make things more efficient because someone just makes the decision and then that's it. But right. really, if you think about what is required for at least two different parties or three different parties to come to a consensus, mm -hmm. if you really do the hard work to get there, it usually produces the best type of outcome or solution because you've basically solved for all the three or two of the concerns that they were not okay with before. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to really, it takes time, but it, it can really produce sometimes the best solutions in yeah. the long term. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a long-term game, but I think that in the long term, because it's giving power to the people, it's working out for the best, but it gets, it gets debatable. It gets controversial. And that's why I keep on saying it's all about this gray space in between free market and non-free market. Right. And so how could a, like, let's just go with another country. Like if they wanted to be more free market than they already are. And I don't know, these, the top three always change, but it's been, in the past, it's been Hong Kong has been mm -hmm. number one for most free market. Now, I don't think it's even, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not even in the top 10. Yeah. But one that I'm very confident is definitely in the top five is Singapore. Yeah. And they do an excellent job of giving uh, the power to vote and decide and make sure that everyone has the ability to invest. And it's, a, it's almost like a conversation, but they also have some of the most strict rules in their country, but it's almost like it's embedded within the people now that it's just, don't be a bad person. Like it's a cultural rule mm -hmm. at this point. And that took a long time to get to this point, to, to, to this moment where you can send your, you know, two year old, I don't know how, I don't know kids, but you can go <laughs> send your child to go grab milk at midnight in the city of Singapore and not have to worry about it because mm -hmm. There's this embedded trust in the system. And it's all, I don't want to say it's like you feel like you're being watched, but it's just like when you're in that environment, you the system itself is designed to get you to behave on your best behavior. Yes. And, you know, they, they've set it all up where if you want to participate in bad things like smoking cigarettes or alcohol, well, that's going to cost you a lot more money. Right. If you get thrown in the drunk tank, that's probably one of the last places I would ever want to get thrown into yeah. is in Singapore, even though it's going to be a nice jail, but you don't want that on your record. No, no. way. You know? Yeah, no, I, I love what you just said. It's about trust. And I think that that is a fundamental part of if you want to achieve true free market in any way, shape or form, like even if it's not true free market and in order for 
a society or an economy to be free, you have to have trust. Mm -hmm. And in order to have trust, what do you need? You need trust, you need transparency, and you need honesty. You need Mm. to really believe that people are going to do it. And you also need incentives, right? And so... Mm. Yeah. See, designing the system is the key. It is. I really do think that it is. And so when you're going back to the example of Bitcoin, I mean, it's a decentralized public ledger. So every transaction can be verified and held accountable, right? Mm -hmm. And there are miners who are solving and verifying these blocks of transactions, essentially, to ensure that, yeah, this actually did happen. And in order for them to verify, they have to solve a really complex um, math problem, essentially. And so with Singapore, I think one of the major things underlying the, the big change that happened was the first thing they had to do was establish trust. They had to set up the rules of the game and they had to say, look, we're going to do this and we have to trust each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, it's a lot easier, I think, for a country of the size of Singapore. It's very small. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a really interesting case study because once you can establish trust Mm -hmm. and everyone knows what the rules are, they know what the implications are if they don't follow the rules, right? Everyone holds them accountable. Everyone is held accountable, whether you're good or bad or somewhere in between, which everyone is, you know? And so just trying to establish that trust is a huge part of even being like, even allowing for a free market to thrive. Yeah. And right now, what's really interesting, I mean, in the United States, we've had different moments in our history, like especially corporate history. Like you think of, I mean, I think of Enron, for example, Mm. or Bernie Madoff, right? That whole, like the scandal of like this, like Bernie Madoff was essentially like a Ponzi scheme. And there was no trust there, right? But people did trust him and they were falsely trusting that individual to be doing what's in their best interest. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when regulations came after that all fell apart because people lost a bunch of their money. And so how do you set up a system where you really, like as the, if you had to force Bernie Madoff, that person had to be transparent about exactly what they were doing with everyone's money, Mm. right? That would be holding them accountable. It would have to be public. It only happened if it was in a black box and private, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people complain about government too, where it's just like decisions are made in the back room and they're not actually shared with everyone as to why. And then we find out later on, like 10 years later, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that the transparency and accountability is a huge part of that. And that's what, you know, Bitcoin is definitely trying to do. And so how do we actually eliminate bad actors like the Enrons or the Bernie Madoffs? Well, to me, it seems like, yeah, I mean, why would you trust one single entity like the government to actually regulate it? Right now, that's mm-hmm. the system that we have is, well, if something bad goes wrong, we're going to regulate it and then we're going to keep regulating it and it's going to constrict. Yes, the trade-off is, is we're going to constrict competition in this area for the benefit of the customers, right? So that yeah. they don't, that doesn't happen. No one loses their all their money like they did in the Bernie Madoff situation. So it makes sense, but what could we do besides that? I feel like that's mm. kind of where we're at right now in terms of um, at least when we're really, John and I are you know, researching and really immersing ourselves into this blockchain world of it's really thinking, rethinking about incentivization and really thinking about how can we govern ourselves without a single entity? How can we actually mm. decentralize the power, give the power to the people, but ensure that the the everyone's held account accountable and if someone is a bad actor or someone's do someone's doing something bad like they're stealing from people how can we actually nip that in the butt and and just continue on right yeah it's so complicated it's but i really easy. do think it it's it i think the best way that i can like envision it is it's kind of like like you said incentivizing yet also 
setting up a system that works to benefit the people without them even understanding or like even knowing how it'll work. So you explained how at Human Sciences, it's so much easier for you to take the steps because the elevator's in the back room. Right. And you got to go all the way in the back versus just taking the steps to get to the next floor. And so it incentivizes people to take that route. It's like if you put the cafeteria in high schools on the fifth floor, then people are automatically exercising on their way to go get food. So it's like free. It's their choice. But at the same time, it's like building a better system for everyone. And when I'm looking at the free market index, it's these concepts that they're or not concepts, these measures, these variables that they're taking into account. They are measures that I don't think anyone would argue that we don't all want together. We all want them and we want them to be a part of our life. But how are they set up? How are these rules initially developed? Because it doesn't just come out of nowhere. I mean, it took a long time for Singapore to get to what it is, but it all started with people having a vision and looking at the rules that they feel are most important to um, get set up to get a perfect system to thrive for its people. And these uh, these variables that they take into account when they're doing the economic freedom index are property rights. I mean, who doesn't want property rights? We yeah. all want to know that if we're buying something, it's ours. We want to be able to buy. Um, we don't want to have to be uh, forced to live in a certain place and never have ownership of it. You know, yeah. So if you focus on property rights, that's a key part judicial effectiveness, government integrity. I definitely want that. Fiscal health, business freedom. That's an interesting one. That one, I'm sure there's a lot in there. Labor freedom, trade freedom. Who doesn't want trade freedom? I want trade all around the world. Investment freedom and all these measures, they actually align so well with Bitcoin and a lot of these other uh, blockchain currencies that are trying to allow people to have ownership of it. That's why it's so different from having you know a credit card or having a gift card because this is more so than ever before as if you're having cash but you're just having cash in the digital realm mm-hmm. and so it's not like you have a gift card i mean maybe the probably the most comparable would be like you have a visa gift card but the problem with the visa gift card is there's still middle person in between mm. though a lot of people accept visa this is like you actually have cash that everyone can have an understanding of what the exact supply is, what the exact demand is, and therefore this is the price. And though it's extremely volatile right now, I could see it balancing out. And you can also get it exchanged into a different form of currency in that exact moment and then go back to the form of Bitcoin if you want at any point in time. And it's a very very fascinating experiment i mean that's what's really going on right now it absolutely is yeah and and the thing also with bitcoin is that there are only 21 million there will mm-hmm. never be more and there won't be less there will only be 21 well, million technically there could be less because that's people true. can lose their keys that's true and therefore I, it already is a lot less than was initially produced and how many should be produced at this point in time and once you're you lost your password I think it's pretty much gonzo. Like, yeah. you can't find it. It is gone. Well, and that, I think, right there, people would criticize the this entirely because they don't want to lose it, right? Mm-hmm. And so they would say, well, I want someone to be in charge of this so that I don't have to remember it and therefore not lose it. But that's the thing. 
it's a transitional moment a shift in one's mentality of why are you why are you relying on entities governments and corporations to do what you as your sovereign individual self should Mm. be doing you should be looking out for yourself you shouldn't be relying on others but i do understand that there's a lot of other things going on in life and people don't want to have to be concerned with that but what i think when it comes to your own financial freedom that's probably pretty top priority for for most people but maybe not you know i I I think it is for most people i I don't think that's a that there's a question about that i think I think everyone wants, who doesn't want freedom? Like, yeah. let's just bring it down to like the most simplistic term of it. It's freedom, freedom of choice, freedom to do what you think is best and what's fair. Now, how do we get rid of the bad actors? Because what you think is something that's perfectly fine for me to do, it may not be. And I think that's where the system itself, almost in a weird way, it's not like everyone becomes a police officer. But everyone does kind of look out for each other. Yeah. That's the ideal community and culture. Yeah. Whereas if you're seeing a bad actor or something fishy going on, then you and other people around are like, hey, what's going on? And if the majority are like, this is bad, then we got to go kick that guy out. You know? Right. And, and how do you manage that? Well, it's, it's an ongoing challenge. It's always a cat and mouse game. And it's always a battle. Like I saw a video recently where they were talking about how all these hackers are getting on these YouTube channels and they're pretending as though they're the person who created the YouTube channel and they're writing, hey, you know, get, message me on Instagram or message me on my cell phone on WhatsApp. I can, I'll, I'll help you get some extra tips and maybe I'll send you some, some money if you, if you want to talk to me directly. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are falling for those traps and it's such a difficult system where YouTube's trying to get rid of them and you can do all these little things like you can like look for certain words like WhatsApp or Instagram and block all those comments. But all you got to do to be able to post if they block the word WhatsApp is if you type in W comma H A T WhatsApp, then all of a sudden it's a new word. And so they're writing and copy pasting the exact same thing. They just put a comma between the W and the H hmm. and it's a cat and mouse game. And I do think that as time goes on, it will always be, all right, how do we balance this out? What is the next thing that we have to do to make sure that the people are taking care of the people mm. versus having an authoritarian individual who feels like they need to take care of the people because right. no one wants a single individual. I think that's where you really see the free market kind of diluting significantly is when it becomes authoritarian. Yeah. But if it's power to the people and if they have a system set up, like a judicial system, it's a great thing. For the people, for sure. Yeah, judicial systems are really important, obviously, in terms of just having faith in the governance, right? I mean, yeah. if someone does something bad, that they should be punished for that. Right. And if someone didn't do something, that they should be exalted for that. We don't right? want corruption. We don't want to be paying people under the table. Like like someone is pulling you over, like a cop pulls you over and you got to pay them outside money for him to let you go like that's so ridiculous yeah. but that's the opposite of free market right it, there it is but i mean it, what what's interesting is when the market isn't working or there's corruption somewhere whether that's in the government or in lots of other parts of the society that's mm-hmm. when the trust breaks down and i think like what right. you were saying is we have it's a trustless system that we have to establish right where mm-hmm. it doesn't even require trust trust is there we know everyone can be held accountable right now with something like what's going on on youtube where people's you know profiles are being essentially copied and then 
or they're scamming individuals. Yeah. Well, right now, YouTube is the only one who can really take them down. Right. Right. Exactly. And same with Facebook. Facebook's had the same exact problem where they're trying to take down bad actors. They're trying to use code and algorithms and all that stuff to really try to figure this out, but they've had to actually form a committee to help figure out what the final say should be to make sure that it's the right thing to do and not set a precedent for something later on that they regret. Right. Mm -hmm. And so how do we actually form a system where the people have the power and we can actually hold everyone accountable and we're incentivized to actually do the things that are good for us all. Right. It's, It's a very difficult task, but I do think some countries have done a really good job of embedding it. And I do think that the peak success of it is when it's a cultural rule when it's based yeah. in the culture itself. Yeah. And it just, it's like almost like you enter Singapore and you, you're like, okay, you know, it's, it's not to the extreme where it's like, don't spit your gum out. But like, who cares about spitting your gum out? Like, it's yeah. so stupid when people always go to that one. It's like, it's just, you feel one, you feel safer. And two, you also feel this like, okay, this is, there's some established rules here. I'm, and it, I like it. I like that sense of trust that, you know, you, I'm obeying, you're obeying. If something, if someone's doing something wrong, it's kind of like, whoa, stands out like a spotlight because this is not how it works in this place. And if you're a bad actor, you're not even allowed in. Right, you know? exactly. I know when we first went to Singapore right away, someone was helping us and it was a genuine person who was actually there to just help us yeah. and our first reaction since you know we've Are traveled a lot of places us, we were like wait is this so no he really it was like our first experience of interacting with someone local there yeah. who they were actually there to help foreigners figure it out and yeah. that's what they're doing it was so comforting it was really comforting and so i mean to me the thing about you know setting up the rules and just as long as you follow these rules you could do whatever you want mm. to me that sounds better as opposed to no, we're, we're, we're going to regulate this in the protection of you. Well, it's mm. like, well, why I never needed protection in the first place. I'm okay. I'd rather take the risk. You know, people have different levels of risk. Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking about regulation, such as, you know, regulation on um, a currency like Bitcoin, mm-hmm. for example, that a lot of governments all around the world are really trying to figure out like what exactly, how we're going to, you know, try to control this or, yeah. or tax it or whatever yeah. they're trying to do. It almost, in a way, sometimes the conversations become so condescending to the people that they're trying to protect, where it's mm. like, oh, no, like they, they don't know what they're doing. They're just, you know, just blindly leading themselves down a, a bad path that's going to be a scam eventually, and they'll lose all their money. So we need to protect them so yeah. that they don't. It's like, really? I think that I'm pretty okay in making my own financial decisions. And mm-hmm. the trade-off, I think, with that protection, which is usually based in fear, right? So when we're talking about bad actors, that's a fearful variable in mm-hmm. the whole system. Definitely. But it's not the number one thing. You can't be like ba- basically living your whole life in walking fear. down the street and being like, oh, I, I hope I don't get mugged today. Right. Like, but what? we didn't feel the fear was like uh, what forced us to obey the rules when no, we were in. No, not at all. And, and I, I want to say this, when we were in the most free uh, country in the world. It is. I'm, I looked up the free market uh, index, and Singapore still is number one with a score of 89.7, wow. which is significantly higher than number two, which is New Zealand at 83.9. Yeah, and see another part of that. I'm sure the variable of the business freedom is actually being able. There are no barriers to actually creating a business. Yeah, to they actually make going it into easier business. to enter. Like, exactly. If you, if you want to start one. It should be encouraged to start one, not give you extra hurdles that make it a burden to want to 
contribute to the economy. Exactly. I mean, that's really what it is. Because honestly, if your idea isn't that great, well, then it's not going to succeed on the long run, but that shouldn't yeah. be prevented. From, yeah. You shouldn't be prevented Give from doing it. Yeah, exactly. Give them a shot. Competition is a good thing. Competition a is a great thing. Even if you don't fail, if you ended up influencing the market for the better, that's yes. all, that's, that's good. That's something that's that, great thing. you yeah. know, that, that governments can't actually impose on mm-hmm. doing, right? They can't, Absolutely. they shouldn't be picking winners and losers. We should really be you know, able to figure this out together through entrepreneurial pursuits and trying to really progress innovation forward. Yeah. So just to really quick, I want to conclude with just a few rankings. So Singapore's one, New Zealand two. Do you want to guess any in the top five? Mm, Is (laughs) South Korea in there? South Korea is not on there, but Australia, Switzerland, Ireland is. South Korea made it at number 24. Where's the U.S.? Oh man, the U.S. Well, uh, before I get to the U.S., you I'll tell you another surprise. The United Kingdom made it at number seven, wow. which is pretty damn good. Um, and then you have to get all the way to the moderately free to get to the United States of America. Here we go. Mexico is number 65, which is uh, not very good. Thailand is 42. And the United States, oh, actually, United States is mostly free. They're number 20. So they're 20. not too bad. Not too bad. They're, they're actually above South Korea, though, which is interesting. And they're above Japan, too. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I'm happy about it. I, I am too. I love the United States. To me, the United States, I, I love the United States. Super proud to be from here. Um, I know we have our, our problems just as every country does, but I mean, thinking about the vastness of the United States of America, it's so huge relative mm-hmm. to a lot of these other countries that, you know, I think that when you are, if when your population and your land size is a bit smaller, you're able to be a little bit more nimble, mm-hmm. you know, things kind of can go faster. Right. And just to conclude, because we did have a good conversation on South Korea compared to North Korea, yeah. North Korea is by far the lowest. Their ranking is 5.2 and they are ranked 178. Number 177 is Venezuela, and they're 24.7. Just to give you an understanding of how not free North Korea is. That's crazy. Above Venezuela is Cuba. So crazy world we live in. Very, very interesting. And I'm excited to see how it all evolves. Um, And I think it's just, it's it's an interesting concept that we all need to kind of play around with because if we're not completely satisfied with the state of what's going on in our own economies, our own countries, it's okay to really think about other ways things can get better, right? Mm. As opposed to being pessimistic and not really thinking, okay, this is just the way that it is. I think that we really can come together and create a better future for us and those in the future as well. Well said. So thanks for chatting with us. I love this talk. We look forward to speaking with you tomorrow. We will talk to you then. Bye.